Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the now worldwide famous Mystery Archives podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Cody. I think you know who I am by now. To my left, I have my co-host, my home skillet, Hayden. Hello. And today, we also have another home skillet. One of, one of my I. bestest friends, <laughs> our homie Cody, who was also in the Mystery Archive Sally House video that a lot of people crucified him in. Yeah, they hate me. <laughs> Lay off my boy. It, it wasn't that bad. It's because I went Zach Bagans on the... Yeah, oh, I did too, though. But, but they're like, yeah, yeah, he's okay. He gets a pass. <laughs> yeah, no, I can pick on the ghost, but Cody no went else Zach can. Bagans on it when Zach Bagans told the ghost to go fuck itself. Pretty much. So. That's, that is true. <laughs> uh, well, today we have kind of an interesting little uh, deviation worth of an episode. We're going to be talking about some aliens and their spooky extraterrestrial thing selves, whatever the fuck they are. Lots of speculation as to what they could be. They're real. They're out there. Oh, they're definitely real. 1,000% they're real. And they want our skin. They want to wear your skin as a flesh suit. They do. It puts the lotion on the skin. Or as it gets the hose again. <laughs> they have no hair and they have no fingernails and they wish for it. So they're going to take it from you. Yeah. They want your... They, they just caught an ad one day on their intergalactic satellite TV channel. And it was like a skin ad. It was like... You know what I mean? Like a, like a skincare ad. So they just see like some woman like lathering her skin. And they're just like, I fucking want that. And that's the whole reason they're here. <laughs> that's the entire reason. There's no other reason. Anywho, I'm going to go ahead and cue our spicy little intro. And then we will get into some interesting stuff on abduction and aliens. And that's when I decided I'm going to murder my mother. I snapped her, snapped her neck. Deviant type behaviors to satisfy my urges. And so it just spiraled out of control. What did you want him to think as they died? Just see my pretty face. I take it to them. But the last thing they ever saw was me. Living is what scares me. Dying is easy. So today we're going to talk about the story of the abduction of Travis Walton. This case is really strange. It's, I think, the second most popular abduction case uh, in American history. After researching this uh, the past few days, it's 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 been a roller coaster. It's you you tend not to believe these sorts of things, but this this case really 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 makes uh makes you think. It definitely makes you question reality in the sense because everyone who was present has been interviewed separately when it happened and over the years and decades post the event happening, and their stories haven't changed. They match up and. There's actually a movie based off this case. It's called, well, I think it was a book and then a movie adaptation called A Fire in the Sky. And it's supposed to depict the scariest abduction scene pretty much known to man. And it's it's also supposed to be accurate to the, the true story as well. So if you haven't seen that, I would check it out. It might give you a better idea after this podcast as to what we're talking about. It'll give you a visual. But yeah, this this case is certainly interesting to say the least. On November 5th, 1975, seven loggers traveling home after work in the forest of Arizona, just outside of the town of Snowflake, came across a strange object amongst the trees. They described it as a large disc-shaped object, which emanated a bright blue glow and was hovering slightly above the tree line. Perplexed at the sight, the loggers drove up to the mysterious object and observed it curiously from a distance. Before the vehicle came to a stop, 
one of the loggers named Travis Walton inexplicably got out and began walking up to it. Upon reaching the strange object, it began to make a weird noise, and the driver of the vehicle began to feel a rumble in the steering wheel. This prompted the six men still in the vehicle to yell at Walton and plead for him to come back, but Walton was seemingly transfixed by what he was witnessing and found himself unable to back away. It's like it was luring him in. It's like a moth to a flame kind of situation. That's what it seems like. Because, I mean, if you see something so outside of your normal frame of reference that you're just like, what is that? Like, I mean, I feel like there's just that natural inclination for human beings to just be drawn to the unknown. They thought it know? was a uh, they thought it was a fire, like a plane crash. Oh, yeah, I think you're forest. right. I think they did think it was like a plane crash or so- something like that. It's been a while since I've brushed up on my my lore of the case, which I probably should have done, but I've been <laughs> I've been busy. I won't lie, I've been busy. I mean, uh, inside of the realm of things that you would you would think would would create that sort of uh, light, you wouldn't think that you would be in any sort of danger by just like keep, you know keeping your distance but walking up to it. You're not in thinking in the back of your mind like, oh, this is an alien spaceship. Yeah, you're not thinking. Yeah, this thing is potentially malicious and wants to vaporize me. Or abduct me, or both, you know? <laughs> you don't think there's beings on board the craft that want to uh, probe, you. probe and diddle you, you know? <laughs> 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 the little green men are just really... that. Can we can we discuss that for a minute, why aliens are so into buttholes? I don't know. It's a good question. Like, I'm suppo- I, it's probably not just buttholes, but you, you... I mean, think about it. You hear about cow abduction cases, right? Like cow abduction mutilation cases, livestock in general, obviously human... Uh, abduction stories they're always like they probe my butthole why <laughs> why <laughs> like i don't know i can't wrap my head around it it's hilarious but at the same time it's just like what is the scientific basis around the butthole what's the scientific basis around aliens <laughs> well yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you asking Nothing. here <laughs> what i'm asking not necessarily the scientific info surrounding aliens but let's just assume in this reality aliens are real why are they so into buttholes well buttholes give you the most uh, the most accurate internal body temperature the butthole gives you the most energy yes the butthole <laughs> is where your energy is stored it's where energy is stored yeah it's not stored in the balls it's stored no, in the butthole is stored in the balls oh that's true yeah. that's very energy true energy is stored in the energy butthole. is stored in your asshole i would know i'm a doctor yeah i'm not a doctor don't sue me Dr. Coders. <laughs> Dr. Coders. Uh. All of a sudden, the glow became brighter. So bright that it lit up the entire wooded area with a blue-green light and zapped Walton in the chest, causing him to fly back about 15 feet from where he stood, which rendered him unconscious. That would be intense. Yeah, you're just standing there, and all of a sudden, you just get zapped in the chest. Boom, with you f- just took a laser beam to the chest, <laughs> bro. <laughs> Terrified and in a state of panic... The driver's fight-or-flight instinct kicked in, and he immediately takes off full speed in the opposite direction, leaving Walton where he lay. According to the driver, they got about a quarter of a mile down the road before he gathered his bearings and slammed on the brakes, stopping the vehicle. Realizing that they had just left their friend behind, he tells the others that they cannot leave Walton there and that they have to go pick him back up. This was met with mixed reactions. Some of the crew agreed, and some wanted to flee in fear that their lives, too, were in danger. All of a sudden, they saw a bright flash in the sky, and the object seemingly bolted away through the sky in the blink of an eye. It was gone. The crew decided to go back and look for Travis, so they drove back very slowly, worried by what they might find awaiting them at the scene. When they arrived, 
Travis was no longer in the spot he was in when they left, so they searched the perimeter, looking in bushes in the surrounding area, assuming that he may have crawled off in search of safety. Travis Walton, however, was nowhere to be found. He had completely vanished. Within 15 minutes, basically. So something I saw uh, while watching the uh, a documentary about the movie and the movie itself is when they went to go and search for Travis, like the, the story is that they all went back to search the area for him. And in the movie, the leader of their logging crew, Mike, uh, is the only one that goes back to search for him. So it's just a, a weird thing that I noticed. Weird little discrepancy. But, I mean, I guess they take liberties. I right. don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't just say they all search for him but or what have you or one or the other, but I don't know. Absolutely shocked and a bit terrified, the crew decided to head into town and call the police to give their account of what had just transpired. Arriving at a rest stop, they located a payphone and called the local sheriff's department. The first officer to arrive was Navajo County Sheriff's Deputy Chuck Ellison. Ellison noticed that the men were very upset and distraught, and he looked closely for any signs of impairment. Bottles, drugs, and alcohol or marijuana smell, but found nothing of the sort. Initially, the deputy thought that the crew must have been intoxicated, so he decided to split them up and talk to each one of them individually. Each one of the men gave the same exact story that Travis was attacked by a UFO, and Deputy Ellison called in his superior, Sheriff Marlon Gillespie. Upon arriving on site, Sheriff Gillespie went the same route as Ellison, searching for paraphernalia and any sign that the men were intoxicated, but he found nothing. After hearing the stories himself, he split the men into two groups. He told the driver that he needed to go back to the scene and that he needed two volunteers from the group to accompany them. Those who did not volunteer were instructed to go back into town and under no circumstances were they allowed to leave. Upon arriving at the site, Sheriff Gillespie and Deputy Ellison found no trace of Travis or anything to indicate that something had happened there on that night. They decided that they would return the next day with ample daylight and a large search party in order to figure out what exactly had happened to Travis Walton. I mean, it's kind of a dick move to immediately just go to to drugs or impairment but at the same time i, mean, it was I the do 70s, it was the man. 70s bro everybody well, was, was on acid say, and at smoking the same weed. time though i do i do understand yeah you well know, okay even these days i mean with all the different designer drugs and just meth and just bullshit well you yeah know, but i was tripping get... dmt in the <laughs> yeah. forest oh my god well, i talked to the clockwork elves out of the forest <laughs> they took my friend <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was a cop back in the 70s and a bunch of kids came to me saying that, you know, one of their buddies got abducted in the forest, I would immediately assume drugs. 100%. <laughs> I, I mean, with the knowledge that they had the, and the little understanding of everything, I would automatically assume that they were on acid or something of the sort. I mean, I do suppose it is not far out of the realm of possibility, especially when you go there and there is zero evidence of him ever being there. Just At gone. Just gone. There's nothing there. <laughs> but yeah, originally there was no there was no evidence like on the surface that that anything had ever happened there, and it was really really fucking strange and unbelievable. The Navajo County Sheriff's Department launched an absolutely massive manhunt in the search of Walton. A search party of around 200 volunteers and members of law enforcement, accompanied by bloodhounds and helicopters, scoured the forests of Arizona in an attempt to locate him. These efforts were futile, however, and suspicion began to mount that the crew of loggers were responsible for the disappearance. The police at this point were fully expecting to discover the body of Travis Walton, as it was widely believed by both law enforcement as well as the community that he was murdered by his fellow crew members. Sheriff's deputies even told the crew that if they would just tell them where the body was, that they could all go home. A member of the Albuquerque Sheriff's Department was sent out to the site at the request of Navajo County 
and to bring a Geiger counter and test the alleged abduction site. What the Geiger counter showed was absolutely shocking. Don Walton, Travis's brother, was present when the readings took place and said that he himself witnessed a massive spike in radiation levels in the area where the abduction supposedly happened. The levels of radiation would spike up to 100 yards from the site in each direction before dropping off completely. This was the only thing that could provide any support to the possibility that Travis had in fact been abducted by an alien spacecraft. That's pretty wild. I feel like the energy that alien spacecraft are said to hold would have to be caused by like nuclear energy. It's like nuclear or something that we're just is like undiscovered. Yeah, something we just Some don't sort understand. Of strange anti-gravity type technology. Right. So you could be you could talk about, you know, element 115, the whole Bob Lazar thing. Man, I do feel like yeah, we should definitely talk about it. I just don't know if we'll have enough time to go super duper in depth. Bob Lazar deserves his own episode. Oh, well, I was going to say, because Bob Lazar, in my opinion, and we, we talked about this yesterday, Cody, um, is completely legit because his story it, has never changed. Or he deserves a Grammy. Yeah, yeah. Or, or an Oscar, uh, an Oscar. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Or he deserves an Oscar for being in, like, the, the greatest best actor, actor of all, all time. time. Like 40 years and your story hasn't changed. That's also a commitment. Bit. That's straight up method acting. And then, you know, <laughs> some of the stuff that's coming out and like the, the whistleblower statements nowadays and everything like that, it just backs up Bob Lazar's statements. Bro, and 100%. Whatnot. Well, yeah, they called him crazy for a long time. But then when, when weird shit starts happening and the, and the public won't let it go, the government will just throw out things like, oh, hey, guess what? Aliens are real. Yeah. yeah, the economy's what collapsing, are but aliens up? are totally yeah. real. <laughs> the economy's collapsing, Maui's on fire, but hey, aliens are real. Pay attention to that. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit at that point, because we've all figured it out already. Yeah. We've known aliens are real since the fucking 50s, 60s. So have the government. They've just <laughs> been telling us that <laughs> they aren't real, just to fuck with us. They've just been literally ga- <laughs> they just been gaslighting us the entire time. They admitted at some point that like they were responsible for at least half of the uh, UFO sightings, but the other half, they have no fucking clue. Apparently. Yeah, one half that that makes sense. Like fifty percent, like you know, fucking military special, like black ops fucking programs, or just you know, intense new aircraft that the public can't be made aware of for God knows what fucking reason. But then the other half is completely mysterious. Have no clue where it came from. Yeah, it's it's fucking weird. And then it's like, hmm, are they coming from the ocean, or are they coming from space? Were they already here, or both? Or both. Yeah, who knows? Probably both. Bro, it's the it's the octopi. Oh, yeah, dude, it is. The glock. They're coming from the ocean. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're coming from the ocean, bro. <laughs> they're getting ready. And when they're ready, we're fucked. Dude, I'm telling you, Atlantis is down there, and they, they inhabit Atlantis, and they are working on a super weapon to just wipe all of us out and inherit the Earth. What if the aliens <laughs> are just Atlanteans? What? Probably, dude. That's what we were saying. Fucking octopi are like insanely intelligent. Bro, there's no way they're from this planet. Zero percent chance. There's no way they're just like decided to like evolve here. There's no way. And they walk around and shit too. Like just look at them, dude. They don't look human. I mean, they don't look human. Of course they They don't don't look look, They don't look earth-dwelling. Octopi are not human, Cody. Cody learned something today. (sighs) Yeah, I did. <laughs> so it's either that, it's either the the octopus theory, which I I am behind one hundred percent. Or I mean, they say so. So the aliens that are normally seen in like abduction cases, or like just like visiting, not even necessarily abductions, but like people who have seen aliens that have visited, typically attribute them to to be the gray aliens, the uh, the zeta reticulans, 
Mm-hmm. And they're, for the most part, like short, stubby, really? smooth skin, no fingernails, no hair. Uh, big heads. Big heads, big, big eyes, eyes, big yeah. black eyes. Small, small mouths, right. like an inch. And I'm not exactly sure where this came from, but some, I guess some lady back in the <laughs> 70s, 60s or 70s claimed to have, um, I guess, figured out a map that puts the Gray's point of origin and uh, the, what is it, Zeta... Zeta Reticuli. Gal- yeah, Zeta Reticuli. It's a galaxy or something. And I guess the theory behind that is they come to Earth ever so often to watch us. That's why we see them over like military installations a lot. Uh, they come to Earth to watch us because apparently we are their ancestors. Oh. Yeah, that's, it's weird. They, they, try, they come to watch us to, to kind of like guide us in our uh, evolution process so that we don't kill ourselves. That's why they if look that's over what military we're end installations. Up being, bro, maybe we should. <laughs> if that's if we're gonna end up being weak little bobbleheads with giant eyes and just super intelligence, maybe we should just off ourselves. I would much rather be like a dumbass caveman. But man, anti gravity propulsion. Yeah, bro, it sounds sick. I'm sure it's cool, <laughs> but like, come on, man, look at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do no, you thank lift, you. bro? <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. There's also, um, I mean, there's a lot of theories to do with the Greys. They are considered malicious, like they, like as in they don't have good intent when they abduct people. From a lot of the stories, I'm sure it could go either way, but I just know from the bulk of the Grey stories that I, I've researched, they're considered to be like pretty evil, like experiment on people. They definitely don't do anything to make you uh, believe otherwise. Right, right. But I guess if I was a weak little bobblehead, I would probably try to rule with fear too. You know, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, another thing, too, is that they're not even a lot of people are not even so convinced that they're actual entities themselves, but rather like some type of, of drone that's sent from one planet to another to investigate without having without like an actual living creature having having to survive the space travel to said planet. And then experience whatever, you know, dangers that could be lurking there. That There could be some, but I I believe, you know, other extraterrestrial beings have visited the planet. Oh, I know. I do, too. I'm just saying I'm just spouting theories over here. I think I think it is totally possible. Obviously, the octopi. There's I mean, there's like what what was his name? There was a Scottish guy that hacked into uh, our government's systems and supposedly came across all these images of extraterrestrials and a whole list. They want to extradite him to the U.S., and I, I think if they did, they'd either kill him or, you know, if it was legit, or he would never get out of prison. Even if it isn't legit, and even if he didn't see any of what he says he saw, he, he still, still hacked. hacked into the United States government. But you also think about this. why It can't be that easy to hack into the government, or at least it shouldn't be that easy to Dep- hack. Depends on how good you are at what you do. I guess so. Dude was just smoking a ciggy, and he's like, man, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to fucking hack into the U.S. government. In true Scott fashion, give no fucks. Zero. Yeah, rip rip that guy. If he ever does get extradited, he uh, he's fucked. 100%. Yeah, the long dick of Uncle Sam will not take kindly to that. No. No, he will not. They still want Snowden. They haven't gotten Snowden They'll yet. never get Snowden. Ever. They will never get Snowden. <laughs> That's a whole other topic for another day, but I, yeah, A, I don't think they'll get him, but I don't really think he did anything wrong, bro. No, he didn't. 100%. Go, he didn't. going to go out on a limb there. I mean, what? I know he's living in Russia and all that, but they would have to invade Russia. 
in order to to to, to take this man. Yeah, and that's not gonna happen anytime no, soon. I, I fucking hope it doesn't. But yeah, I really don't. Uh, yeah, fuck that. That's a whole different can of worms, though. One hundred percent. That is a topic for another day. Anyway, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> no nuclear war. Aliens. <laughs> Xenomorphs. Travis. Two days after the abduction, NBC ran a news report on the event, which sparked international interest in the case. What was previously a quiet town was suddenly flooded with media outlets and UFO enthusiasts from around the world eager to interview those involved. The public also reported having seen government agents, possibly even the men in black, around town following the six crew members. A little bit of a sidetrack here yet again, but what do you guys think the men in black is? Do you think they're they're agents? Do you think they're like drones? Some some people have described them as being like uncanny valley, like not like real but not real. Well, the you men know what I mean, the men in black show up whenever weird shit goes down, and from what I understand, they're just like their own special department. Yeah, separate aliens, I guess, because when people see them, they they don't have they have human features, but if you look at their faces, they're just pale white. They don't have any eyelids, and they're like they have no mouths. Yeah, they're like plastic. Yeah. So they show up whenever weird shit happens, and I, I honestly wish I could give you a better explanation. I haven't done too much research into the Men in Black, but I do know that much. It's some weird shit, man. There's definitely some some pretty interesting stories surrounding them as well, which I'm sure we could dive into another day, but definitely worth a quick mention since they came up. Yeah, I don't I don't don the tinfoil hat too often as far as aliens go. I do for other things, most definitely. I, I used to a lot more. I, I honestly haven't as much... In, in recent, I don't know, like the last like year or so. A lot of shit's been coming out within the, within the last year. I know, need, but it's you like... You need, uh, need to brush up on your... Uh, my put lore. your tinfoil hat on and uh, brush up on your alien lore. See, I just don't... I've always thought aliens are real. So to me, it doesn't really come to much of a surprise. so much more evidence coming out now. And yeah, it's but it's only because everything else is fucked up. So again, the government's just like, they're aliens. Yeah. Our president can't fucking complete a sentence, but, you know, aliens are real. Listen, man, go. everybody knows that the aliens came to Earth and fucked the monkeys, and that's why we are sentient. I could get that behind is, that. That is a theory. What is that, like the ape fuck theory? The uh, ape fuck theory. <laughs> I, like the, I like the stoned ape theory the myself. The stoned ape theory. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. The ape fuck theory. Shout out Terrence McKenna. Bro, they just saw some fucking caveman cheeks, and they were like, oh, shit, it's over. <laughs> we can make a society out of this. <laughs> By the third day of the disappearance, the sheriff's department had officially designated their investigation as a homicide investigation. Their main suspect was one of the loggers by the name of Alan Dallas. Dallas had a history of run-ins with police and was no stranger to trouble. After discovering that Dallas wasn't particularly fond of Travis and that the two had previously been in a fight, Dallas had become suspect number one. Even Travis's brother Don was convinced that Dallas had killed Travis and accused him directly of the murder. When the crew were brought in for questioning, Navajo County Sheriff's Deputy Glenn Flake grilled the men, telling each of them that they knew that these men didn't kill Travis, but that they were certain that Alan Dallas is the one who had killed him. The Sheriff's Department was trying to convince these men to give up information that they just simply did not have. After getting nowhere with the interrogation, the Sheriff's Department asked the six men to take a polygraph test, to which they all agreed. On November 10th, five days after Travis's disappearance, the six crew members were summoned to the Navajo County Courthouse for their polygraph examinations. All six men were convinced that the test was rigged by the sheriffs and that no matter what they did, they would fail the test and end up in prison for the murder of their friend. For the test, each man was asked the same set of questions three separate times. The first three questions were in regards to the alleged murder of Travis, 
And the last question asked whether or not they initially told the truth about the UFO abduction when they were questioned five days prior. To the shock of the polygrapher, five of the six men passed the test. Only Alan Dallas's test came back inconclusive. However, he did pass on the first two sets of questions. These men were telling the truth, and the sheriff's department was set back to square one. The mystery deepens. Like, what do you do then? Do you, do you believe the polygraph test, or do you, you know... I mean, shit, man. Technically, if there's no body, there's no crime, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, if he never showed, showed back up... You know, if they never found his fucking corpse or whatever, then I don't think they really could have charged anyone with anything. Well, you can't charge him with murder, no. Actually, conspiracy, yeah. maybe. Something. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they could find something, but... If they really wanted to, I'm yeah. sure they could have. Exactly. But everybody was shocked that they passed that test. I mean, uh, everybody that, that lived in the town, the polygrapher himself and the sheriff's department, they were like, what the fuck? They're How? like, what the fuck is going on? Bro? Yeah, they're like, for sure, we thought they were going to fail and this would be over with and we could we then, could just get move the fuck yeah, on. Yeah, we could convince them to tell us where the body's at, but, I mean... Leave it to the media, too, to blow shit up so that everyone and their fucking mom is also in the city or the bro, town or whatever. Bro, it wasn't just people from around the area. It was people from other countries. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, there was people... Fuck. They were saying okay, there was, like, Japanese got reporters. You. Japanese reporters, British reporters. Jesus. And within two days, just they were just in bitch. this tiny little fucking Arizona town. That's wild. I mean, I guess put them on the fucking map-ish, at least at that time. Yeah, everybody, everybody around the world was fucking going nuts about this. Fucking splooging. And I guess back in the 70s, um, the sightings of UFOs had, had spiked like crazy, especially in that area. Arizona has always been uh, one of the biggest... Um, like hotbeds. Yeah, hotbeds for fucking uh, alien sightings, UFO sightings. Like I said, it has to do with the military installations. Um, aliens love mountains for some reason. <laughs> Nukes, man. Nukes, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It comes back to what I said earlier when I said they're watching us to make sure we don't kill ourselves. They're wondering why the fuck we have nukes. See, I'm also curious. I mean, I do feel like extraterrestrials had visited prior to the detonation of the first nuclear weapon. But it's like they're... Um, well, God, yeah, they had to name? fuck the monkeys. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's true. They had to make us in the first place, but... <laughs> Uh, Dr. Stephen Greer actually talks about, um, he's also someone that's pretty high up in the UFO community and whole other probably deserves his whole, uh, an episode in his own right. Um, he was discussing saying that there are different waves that are put out. Like we're very familiar with like EMP waves and, and whatnot. There's another one, and I forget the name. It's eluding me at this particular point in time. But apparently when the first nuke was detonated, that is what all the extraterrestrial life in our galaxy and nearby picked up on. And that's what basically brought us into their attention radar again. So oh, they're like, oh, those, they've... Those monkeys have nuclear weapons. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, we need to go check that shit out. So that's, that's why there was such a huge... Supposedly why there was such a huge uptick... And them surrounding military installations, basically from that point onward, allegedly. On the same night that the polygraph tests were administered, Travis's brother-in-law had just returned home from work when he heard his phone ring. When he answered, a voice on the other side said, Hey, this is Travis. Come get me. Assuming it to be some sort of prank, Grant began to hang up the phone. The voice on the other line began pleading with Grant not to hang up and that this was serious. Still skeptical, Grant drove to his mother-in-law's house. 
picked up Travis's brother, Dwayne, and the two headed out to where the caller said he was located in Heber, Arizona. When they arrived, they came upon a phone booth, and inside they found Travis barely conscious and sitting down. Dwayne then lifted Travis into the truck, and they headed back towards Snowflake. On the ride back into town, it was revealed to Travis that he had been missing for over five days. This shocked Travis, who then explained that it seemed to him that all of this had taken place over the course of the same night. What a mindfuck. That is a mindfuck. That's wild. (laughs) It's like, bro, you have been gone for five days. Everyone and their mom knows that you've been missing. What the fuck happened? Yeah, Travis (laughs) didn't even believe his brother at all. And his brother's like, yo, dude, touch your face. He had like a full beard and shit from just like a week. Yeah, from just like not shaving for like a week. Yeah. Dude, I wonder how far Heber is, if that's how you say Heber is from uh, Snowflake. Snowflake, yeah. It's about a, it's 33 miles away, about a 30 minute drive. But if you were to walk there, it's an 11 hour and 20 minute hike and it's a 1200 foot climb. That's wild. In elevation. Fuck. Yeah, so fuck walking that. A, fuck walking that, but dude thought he had only just been, like, missing overnight or something had happened to him overnight. Meanwhile, five days? Shit. Those special brownies were hitting Travis hard. He's just wandering <laughs> around the woods fucking... That was a hell of a... Becoming one with, with nature. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hanging out with Squatch. <laughs> yeah, hanging out, out with Sassy. That's how he survived. Dude, 100%. What are you talking about? They were just like feeding him. They're just like, dude, what is this little guy? He wasn't abducted by aliens. He was just hanging out with sass <laughs> the whole fucking time. Bipedal humanoids. <laughs> that, again, we will definitely talk about the Bigfoots and the fact that he is here to fuck, as Darren would say, for king and country. Yes. When Travis arrived back into town, his friends and loved ones were overjoyed to see him and to know that he was safe. What didn't sit well with them, though, was that he had maintained that he had been abducted by aliens. In search of answers, Dwayne Walton reached out to Jim Lorenzen, the head of the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, or APRO, to see if there was anything they could do to help his brother's case. It was determined that APRO had two medical doctors in the Phoenix area who would agree to conduct a medical examination on Travis. In the middle of the night, Dwayne and Travis left Snowflake and headed towards Phoenix, where APRO had booked Travis a hotel room under an assumed name. All of this was done so that there would be no leaks of information as to what was going on with Travis and his examination. Shortly after checking into the hotel, the medical doctors from APRO arrived, and Travis told them everything he remembered from the night he was abducted. And boy, it had to have been a decent amount, I would imagine. Well, we'll get into that, because it's kind of confusing. According to Travis, on the night of the abduction, he exited the vehicle and approached the craft purely on impulse. He said that he assumed it would just take off as he got closer and that he felt no immediate danger. As he got closer, though, the craft began to make a series of strange noises and began to move. Travis ducked for cover, and the noises began to get louder and louder. He stood up with the full intention of running back to the truck, but as he got back up, he felt what he described as a stunning force, and everything went black. The next thing he remembered was waking up on the side of the highway as the craft flew away. With five whole days of missing information... The doctors recommended Travis undergo a controversial process known as regressive hypnosis. This form of hypnosis was performed on Betty and Barney Hill after their famous alleged alien abduction just 14 years prior and proved to be successful in filling in the blanks of what had happened to them. Now that he mentions uh, that Travis mentions that the craft made noises, I wonder what kind of noises it was making. Because they're kind of known for being, like, really quiet. He said at first it was like a low rumbling noise. Um... 
And then as he got closer, it changed into like this high pitched screeching almost. He said it was really hard to describe. Yeah, he said it was like was indescribable. Making. Yeah. Damn. Scrambled his brains. But oh, the, definitely. Yeah, but the noises <laughs> the noises it made definitely changed as he got closer. It was kinda like, hey bro, back the fuck up. While in the hotel room in Phoenix, word gets out to the sheriff's department and the media that Travis has returned. Back in 1975, telephone operators were responsible for patching through phone calls when they were made. The particular operator that patched through Travis's call to his sister's house recognized the name and had listened in on the entire phone call. Despite the family's efforts to keep his return unknown by anybody, thanks to this telephone operator, word began to get around and soon the entire world knew that Travis had come back. The family designated Dwayne as their spokesperson and he fielded all questions about Travis. One reporter asked if he believed his brother's story, to which Dwayne replied that he had never known his brother to play a prank even once in his adult life. Both the media and the sheriff's office were seemingly desperate to hear the story from the source. However, Travis's whereabouts were unknown to everybody besides the family. On November 14, 1975, Travis would meet with Dr. James Harder, a research doctor employed by APRO, in his hotel room to undergo a regressive hypnosis and bring his memories to the surface. Talk about crazy, man. Dude apparently wasn't known for playing jokes either. What a, That would be a pretty fucking sick joke, to be fair. <laughs> so they did say something along the lines of, this is a hoax uh, in order to like get out of the logging contract that they were in. But the, the foreman on the job stood to lose a lot of money if that job wasn't completed. And because of the abduction, they were not able to complete the job. They had to hire other people to come in and finish it for them. To not make it as so it wasn't a total loss. Yeah, so so they didn't. So the company themselves didn't lose money, but he didn't make the money off of it because he didn't finish the job. Well, and if that's your livelihood, if you're slighted to lose a significant amount of money, I can't see why you would want to do that. Does it make any rational sense? No, it makes absolutely no sense. So, like, it might have been a shitty contract, but if you're set to fucking lose God knows how many thousands of dollars. Again, it doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense to me why you would do that. No, none whatsoever. Zero. While under hypnosis and surrounded by his family, Travis recollected that when he woke up on the ship, he was laying on his back on a table with a large light above him and an object on his chest that was also giving off a light. His vision was blurry, but he could make out what appeared to him to be doctors at the foot of his bed wearing surgical masks. After a couple of minutes, his eyesight focused and he realized what he was looking at was not human at all. He was looking at the faces of aliens. He described them as standing around five feet tall, hairless, white-skinned, and that they had small features aside from having very large eyes. This description most closely resembles aliens that are commonly referred to as greys, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Travis said he felt a sense of pain, as if he was suffocating, and the faces of the greys seemed expressionless, emotionless, and threatening. He recalls that he began to panic and jumped off the table as his flight-or-fight instinct kicked in. He grabbed an object from a nearby shelf and brandished it at the greys as a weapon, swinging it wildly in the air. His motherfuckers are just staring at him. As if that's not <laughs> menacing as hell. They're just like, bro, what, what are you doing with that? <laughs> in reality, the device that was on his chest... It was an auto-blow machine, and they were just milking him. <laughs> oh, they, were, they just wanted his man seed. You might be onto something there. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, a lot of people have said they, like, create hybrids. and like, Something has to create the Nordic alien. Oh, oh and we'll oh. get into that. 
It was an auto milker. It was it was an auto <laughs> it was an auto blow machine. An and auto they, were just, blow. they were just milking him for his seed to create the, the intergalactic suck three thousand. <laughs> they sent him back without even any bus fare. That's lame, dude. That's so disrespectful. That's rude. At That's least so like true. get him a burrito or something. El Ricardo. At least kiss him on the cheek or something. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. Now get the fuck out. <laughs> don't call. Don't ever call. This is a one-night stand. Don't call. (laughs) At this point, the aliens left the room, and Travis took this as an opportunity to search for a way of escape. Making his way through the dimly lit ship, Travis comes across a room with a solitary chair in the middle. As he approached the chair, he said the lighting changed and revealed a projected map of the stars, sort of like a planetarium. On the arm of the chair was a screen with what appeared to be buttons, and Travis believed that one of the buttons on the chair may open a door through which he could escape. So, say you're in space, right? And you're surrounded by aliens on the spaceship, and you press the buttons on this chair, and a door opens. Where the fuck are you going to go? Into space, bro. Wherever <laughs> they're not. I guess. I guess the sta- the panic you'd be in would make you just want to get the fuck away from just them. Just mashing buttons. I mean, even and if then, you weren't in you know, space. The auto-blow machine comes back out from mashing the buttons. <laughs> oh, no, God, no. I'm not sore. Again. I'm so sore. <laughs> I'm so sore. <laughs> I mean... Let's just say that they weren't in space if they were even still on Earth. I mean, if they were up in the sky, you're still not going anywhere, bro. I mean, is is death a better option than being, you know, milked by aliens? It depends on what you are into. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> it definitely depends on who you ask. Yeah. Well, see, Travis said that he, he in his brain, he was just thinking like, oh, we're probably still... You know, 15 feet off the ground, 20 feet off the ground, like the spacecraft was. I can open this was. door and jump out of here. Yeah, he's like, I can handle out. jumping 20 feet in order to just get the fuck away from whatever these things are, you know. So in his in his mind, he was just going to jump out, break both of his legs, and be fine. It'd be um, fine. <laughs> it probably would have worked, but they just had the child safety locks on the spacecraft. Oh, yes. <laughs> had to open it from the outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Frantically pressing the buttons, nothing appears to happen, and it is at this point that Travis realizes that he is being watched. He turns around to see what appears to be a human being wearing a spacesuit, blocking his only exit from the room. Foolishly, he assumed that it was a member of either the Air Force or NASA, and that they were there to help him escape. Pleading with the figure in the suit, he asks questions about what is happening, but receives no response. Without saying a word, the figure grabs Travis and escorts him down a long hallway, eventually leading to some sort of airlock. Travis recounts that when he passed into the room, he felt a sudden pressure and temperature difference, and that it suddenly had become easier to breathe. He described the room as being full of spaceships, which appeared to be inside of a larger spaceship. Escorting Travis further, they eventually made it to another room. Inside this room, he encountered two other beings that looked like the one who had escorted him, which... The way he described it leads leads us to believe that they were the sort of Nordic aliens, the... The humanoid aliens that looked like people from fucking Sweden, essentially. Very interesting. I'm curious if that or if they were just trying to, like, take a more human-like appearance as some sort of, like, a camouflage to just, like, get him to lower his guard. See, that's what I'm wondering bit. as well, because initially he said he saw the greys. Yeah. I don't know if they work together. They I don't, might work together. Who, who knows? knows? Maybe it's a union. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, Alien maybe. union. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a lot of uh, alien abduction stories, they do. They, there are claims that the Greys and the Nordic aliens are both present at the same time. Interesting. 
it's really strange. I don't know if the Greys like take human DNA and created the race of Nordic aliens. Or vice versa. Or, or whatever it may weird. be. It's the milk machine. The, that is the function of the milk machine, is to create an army of... Uh, Nords. Of milk Nords. <laughs> Viking alien army. Sounds pretty so that's badass. that's what happened to the Vikings. Yes, they were all abducted okay. by aliens. I'm pretty sure a Viking alien army is the only thing that can stop the Glocktopus Atlanteans. To be fair. Bro, the prophecy has foretold. I'm telling you, bro, it's coming. Glocktopus aliens versus the Space Nords. I'm down for that. I got my money on the Glocktopus aliens. I mean, there's, I mean, it depends on their numbers, bro. Oh, there's many. <laughs> now, again, what weapons are they using besides the super weapons? Are they using just all of the Glock products? All of the Glock products and presumably some, uh, some, some third party weaponry that uses Glock <laughs> yes. bags. Yes. <laughs> and energy weapons. Beam swords from Halo 2. Yes. Can you imagine how many they could wield with all their little arms? Like eight? <laughs> you know, just be flailing Probably them around. Them because, you know, they're octopus. That's what I'm saying. Octopi. Just fly, flail them around at all. Well, I mean, they got to like walk around too. So unless they just put the blades into the ground and that's how they walk with two of them. And then they come at you like General Grievous with the other ones. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. That sounds so scary. In the center of the room... There was what appeared to be an operating table, and the being in the spacesuit pushed Travis, trying to force him onto the table. He resists and attempts to fight back, but the other two beings intervene and, with seemingly superhuman strength, force him down and hold him onto the table. They're just trying to milk him again. They're just pushing him onto the milking table. He's like, I don't want to be milked. <laughs> I'm done being milked by you fucks. There is no more milk left. I am out of seed. It's so it, sore. It is You guys have been powder. doing this for five days. My <laughs> testicle has twisted. I need to see the doctor. <laughs> it's twisted. Bro's going to have some peas when he leaves versus some uh, some grapes. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> just like a little mummy. They put a mask over his face, like an oxygen mask kind of, and he blacked out. The next thing he remembers is waking up on the side of the highway outside of Heber. God, how wild would that be, though? So at first, he didn't remember any of that shit. When he got back, he was just like, I don't know, man. I was just shot in the chest by some shit, and then I just woke up on the side of the highway, and here I am. It had been five whole fucking days. And then some doctors came along and was like, hey, we're going to uh, gonna stab your brain for a little bit. And then he just remembered all of it. He said, oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> His family was present for all of this, too. Like, they all support his story and, and what, what he said about the whole experience. They were just sitting around watching him They're while he was going like, through what this. What the fuck is going on? So after this all came out, the people of the town and presumably the people all around the world, but the only people that it really like affected them was the people they knew. They all treated them like they had just pulled off a massive hoax and that they were just pieces of shit for fooling everybody and wasting all this uh, tax money and this, that, and the other. Poor Travis, bro. Saying that they just orchestrated the whole thing. Like, why would you orchestrate something that would lead everybody to believe that you all were murderers? Or just, like, complete pieces of shit prior, or, like, I mean, after. That doesn't make much sense. No. And Rip Trav again, Rip Travis, man, because not only did he go through all the shit that he went through, you know, allegedly upon the alien spacecraft... But then he gets home, has to deal with this media shitstorm while also trying to figure out what happened to him. You know, does the, the regression therapy or what have you, uh, the regression hypnosis, 
remembers what happens, you know, happened to him. So not only is he going to be dealing with that trauma, but then everyone is basically treating him like he's a giant piece of shit and made the whole thing up. Yeah, that, that would have sucked. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have liked to have been in his shoes during all of this. This just, I don't know, I couldn't imagine having to deal with all of that. But as the years went on, I guess, I guess he kind of won in the court of public opinion because nowadays it is seen as something that is very highly likely that yeah. that he was abducted by aliens um, and that his story was was entirely true. I don't think it's ever changed. It has never changed. No, no uh, fact or piece of information in his story has ever changed. And nowadays we have a lot more knowledge and information when it comes to UFOs and things of that nature. So in 1975, it was pretty far outside of the realm of reality to believe. In 2023, not so much. Yeah, that's very true. Now we've got fucking Pentagon videos and shit. Oh, yeah. They're, they're admitting a whole bunch of shit now that they just have never even talked about in the past to be fair that is fucking crazy and the fact that no one really gives a shit just with the current state of the world is also pretty wild but at the same time i i do understand because it's like a we pretty much had already figured it out and this is just you know confirmation but b it does kind of seem to be masking other more pressing matters i guess depending on how you look at the world yeah, I don't know. I mean, eventually we'll know for sure. Uh, I guarantee it may not happen, you know, in our lifetime. But eventually we will know for sure. All of our <laughs> questions will be answered one way or another. Or they try to pull off Project Blue Beam and we'll see what the fuck happens with that. I don't even know what that is. It's basically like a governmental program that is, I mean, I'd have to do a little bit more research on it. But basically the general consensus is that it's a, a secret government plan to hoax an alien invasion in order to instill a one-world government. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He said, okay. (laughs) Something to think about now. Yeah. Bro, bro, if you woke up tomorrow and there's just a mothership in the sky, it's just like, oh, well, fuck. I'm not going to work. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Brutes and elites are just fine. You better get to work. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) We need aircraft. To take these fuckers out, Cody. You're going to work. Yeah, you're going to work, bro, forever. <laughs> you're never leaving. You're never... Yeah, you're fucked, You are man. now owned by the U.S. government. Yeah, and they're not going to pay you either. No. You're going to make planes for the motherland. That's the end for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit. Well, this uh, has been a fun, fun story. Yeah, it's kind of... It's one of those topics that is so vast, even when you try to kind of narrow it down to one case which this case in particular is super interesting at least to me but it makes you want to bridge off in all different directions so i don't know we tried to be as cohesive as we could while covering the like 10 different split side subjects off of this one topic but we'll definitely cover a lot more the things we kind of touched upon eventually like the men in black bob lazar those type of cases, but those are also going to probably get their own episodes eventually, I would imagine. Yeah, they definitely will. Those are the Men in Black episode will be fun. The Bob Lazar thing is going to take multiple episodes. That dude is a rabbit hole on it in his own right. So. 100%. And again, I think he's totally legit. I would recommend anyone to go listen to any of his interviews, especially the one he did on, on um, Joe Rogan, despite the one guy that kept like interrupting <laughs> you know who i'm talking about the guy that was with him the co-guest yeah i knew you're talking about it. i think it's like yeah Jer- jeremy corbell i don't know i just thought he 
I just wish he would have let Bob Lazar do more of his own explanation. You know, that's kind of the point of Bob Lazar being there. He doesn't need Jeremy Corbell to tell his story for him. Otherwise, Jeremy would be there and not Bob. Just my thoughts. He sucked. Anyways, guys, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Mystery Archives podcast. Our kind of our first one really touching upon aliens in a way, you know, in like a constructive manner, but a little different. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll definitely be cycling through our our normal stuff, and there's a ton of more topics for us to cover uh, coming up on future episodes. As always, go check out Mystery Archives on YouTube. Uh, hit up patreon.com forward slash mystery archives if you would like to support our work. And other than that, is there anything else you gentlemen would like to add? I just want to say thank you to Cody for being on this episode with us this week. Yeah, for sure. Look Thanks, forward bro. to uh, being back. Most definitely. We need to have you back when we get into bi like properly get into bipedal humanoids. Because Cody Cody's got got some shit that he's got some connects in the bipedal humanoid land that I definitely would love to get on this podcast and discuss where we can find them and what they are. And They're out there. They're watching you. Stay vigilant. <laughs> they want your seed. They also have milk machines. Anyways, guys, thank you for listening. We love you, and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. We love you. Bye. We love you. <laughs>